We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye with special guest Ryan Whitledge of We Like the Blazers. Ryan, how are we doing? Doing all right. We're doing all right. Uh, this is the, the East Coast, West Coast connection, seeing as that our names have been tied together here uh, a lot recently as far as the teams that we cover. But uh, yeah. how about yourself? I'm doing well. Excited to jump into this. And like you mentioned, the big topic has been Nets and Blazers rumors, especially after the Blazers landed that number three pick in the draft lottery. Jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also give us a follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But Ryan, I guess before we jump into the trade stuff, what was your reaction draft lottery night when the Blazers landed that number three pick? So uh, one of the local sports radio stations, uh, 1080 The Fan out here, put together a, a big old, you know, like watch party all day kind of thing. Uh, anybody who follows uh, Blazers basketball will know that Danny Morang was there and, and live tweeting all of it. But uh, I, I think I found my way onto every local news station's feed of it. They, they caught my reaction for everything. I was... I was up, I was pacing, uh, I had Tankathon up there just so I could follow what the projected order should have been. And so, you know, even from the bottom seeing, you know, Pelicans come up first, we're like, all right, great. That me, you know, just following that along. And that sweet spot was like, all right, once you got to the ninth pick, if you made it past that, all right, great. Eighth pick, made it past that, fantastic. Six or seventh and sixth pick, you know, their smallest odds were to get there to stay at five. So, you know, once, once it went to that commercial break, it was just nervous pacing all around. And my only complaint to the NBA is, and, and Mark Tatum is like, why do you have to go so fast for that four through three? Because he was like, all right. And the fourth pick. And then before we even like finished our second or third clap as the group in that bar, he already had the third pick up and we're like, ah, okay. I mean, it's when you're in that close of a running to get that kind of generational talent with uh, Victor Wimbignana, you know, it, it sounds so silly to be like, oh my gosh, we got a, only got the top three. But I mean, like that kind of level of player, like there's a, ah, crap. And then there's still a, well, there's still this incredible asset behind it. So it was, it was a rather weird set of emotions to process as we're watching that unfold. Uh, me, I personally screamed at the television that they already have Zach Collins. What do they need to pick the <laughs> for? 
<laughs> no, I mean, you're right. I mean, one is the dream here, but top three is still really good. That's kind of the cutoff for the guys that everyone envisions as being, you know, a, a top pick type talent. You know, Scoot, Brandon Miller, guys that could potentially go number one in other drafts mm-hmm. if Wemby isn't here. So I think landing in the top three is huge for the Blazers, and it kind of puts them in a situation where they can easily make a really good pivot either way. You know, they can use this number three pick to trade for a potential start, a pair with Damian Lillard, keep him happy, potentially contend, or at least, you know, stay in the playoff race. Or they have the perfect tool to jump into a rebuild because they had Shaden Sharp last year. He really popped off at the end of the season, and they could potentially add another you know, future superstar or all-star to that team, depending on what Charlotte does at number two, it's really interesting stuff. In terms of your reaction, your thought process, what do you think the Blazers are kind of going through in terms of that front office and, you know, the moves going forward? Well, one of the things that kind of always gets lost in the shuffle is that before the previous season started, when Joe Cronin got the, um, was when Neil O'Shea was let go and, and Joe Cronin got the, the pop-up to the interim, uh, he w- was very open and honest with the the fan base, which, you know, the previous regime, we were not used to that at all. So it's, it's still kind of like salt in the wound kind of, kind of hurts, uh, um, kind of hard to take a GM's word at face value, but he said like this roster needs work. And then going into um, after last off season, he said, this is an 18 month process. Like we, we need to find out what we have. We need to find out what works. We need to find out what we can keep, what we need to get rid of. And then the Blazers popped off to a 10 and four start and everybody's expectations and memory of Joe Cronin saying that went out the window mm. because they're like, Oh my gosh, this is a contending team. We got it. We got it. And then, you know, slowly as the season went on, the, the wheels fell off and, and everybody had that short-term memory. So for me, it's that the organization has never been shy since Olshay has been let go about being open and honest that we need to find out what this roster is, who we have, who can stay, who can play with Dame, and how can we accommodate maximizing Dame's timeline to be a contending team. And so that's still where the organization stands. Dame has made uh, some direct and indirect comments um, uh, through the tail end of last season and into this offseason that he has no interest in being a you know CP3 like mentor to a bunch of rookies and and hoping that he can bring them along. So it is very much a this is a massive tool in the tool belt to try to get some win now talent. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, Dame had comments saying specifically he didn't want to play with 19 year olds. You know, he essentially doesn't want them to make the pick. He wants them to use it to potentially, you know, contend or at least, you know, raise the blazer ceiling in terms of playoff success. So it's really interesting in terms of where they're at. And like you said, you know, they've come out publicly and said they're looking to win. You know, they're looking to add a player that can help them win. Now, obviously, front offices, you know, you take sometimes at face value and other times you're like, you know, it could be leverage in terms of a discussion if they wanted to go that other route, they have the options open. So it'll be really interesting to see. And obviously the biggest factor too, is what does Damian Lillard want? You know, is, is he happy enough with the player they acquire? Is that going to be someone he thinks that they can contend with, or does he want to get moved to another team? And that's something we'll discuss a little bit later. I guess now looking at that number three pick, 
you know, obviously there's been other names brought up, Pascal Siakam and guys like that, but we know about Mikel Bridges and his connection with Damian Lillard. Dame obviously came to the Nets playoff game, sat courtside, has talked about Mikel being one of his favorite players in the league. Do you think this is going to be someone they target with that number three pick in this coming month? If I had to give an order of operations of of players that the Blazers, or, uh, high profile names that have been out there that the Blazers are are targeting, uh, my number one option would probably lean towards Pascal Siakam. Number two is uh, Mikhail Bridges. Number three is DeAndre Ayton, and those. Those three names also fit three very different baskets for the Blazers. You know, if they want to go down the, we want the proven all-star proven, you know, all NBA talent um, that that's obviously the Pascal Siakam route. Uh, if they want somebody who has, you know, all-star potential is a very, very, very serviceable all NBA kind of level talent. Uh, that's Mikhail Bridges. And especially with his age, he can also kind of serve as a little bit of a, a pun on the name, a bridge player, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then Aiton, um, while his stock may have been higher, you know, in years prior, you know, he's kind of, it's kind of soured a little bit, you know, when he kind of quits on his team and quits on his coach, but you know, he, he would fit a little more towards the can help now, but is also a great piece in a rebuild. Yeah. So also kind of like a bridge player. And I think uh, Aiton, you probably could potentially acquire without using the number three pick, given his stock is pretty low. That contract is pretty large. And I think, the factor with Pascal and Mikel that the big difference is, is Pascal is going to be a free agent after next season, probably looking for a very big contract. Is that somebody you want to, you know, give that full max to? Cause that's probably what he's going to be looking for. And, you know, obviously he's getting up there in age, has some good mileage on him as well. The thing with Mikel, not only did he, you know, showcase his improvements last year, you know, his stretch with the Nets in the regular season averaged 27 points a game, almost five rebounds, about three assists, shot 48% from the field, 38% from three and 89% from the free throw line, excluding the last game where he just played, you know, the first quarter. So mm-hmm. he really looked like an all NBA talent and potential all-star kind of played at that top 25 level. But really the thing that makes Mikel an ideal trade target from was any team looking to build a contender is his contract. You know, next season only making 21.7 million. Year after that is 23.3. And in 25, 26 is 24.9. And with the new CBA, that is just a gem. You know, they talk about not no longer being able to have three stars. Well, Mikel Bridges potentially gives you that opportunity to have three stars because he's coming in at such a low number for his price if he continues to ascend and play like the play, play like he did last season. So that's what really makes him interesting for not only the Nets, the Blazers, or any other team in the league that carries that extra value contract wise with this new CBA that has all these restrictions where you get up to that tax apron one or tax apron two. And now it really starts to impact your ability to make moves and add talent to your team. So Mikel, very valuable for a lot of reasons and obviously has never missed an NBA game and also is just an that <laughs> which is ridiculous and compared in like this NBA, you never hear that. And also just a really great off the court guy. So I guess in your eyes, you would be willing to give up that number three pick for Mikel Bridges? Yes. Yes, I would. So the the one line of demarcation that I've made so far, like in, in my own, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterback sitting on a couch kind of kind of analysis of it is that in order for the Blazers to maximize what they need to do to get to that contending status. You know, I don't think that they need another all-star for, for me. I always view it as that, you know, an all-star is an all-star because they're popular, not Mm -hmm. necessarily because they're good. 
you know, that's just how the voting works out or whatever. So just having a player name value only. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, the, the players that you've seen come through the Nets organization, you can, uh, you can attest to this, uh, um, you know, doesn't equate to wins at all times. So, you know, in, in this case, it's Mikhail's worth the number three, but I don't think he's necessarily in my mind, worth all of the Blazers trade chips that they have. And at their disposal, it is, you know, that number three pick, it's Anthony Simons, uh, to summit Shaden Sharp. Uh, that's one that I say in my mind is quote unquote untouchable, but, um, and then, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, I would like to see the Blazers take, you know, maybe Yusuf Nurkic's salary and the number three pick and offload that for like someone like Mikhail Bridges, and then maybe use an Anthony Simons and like a Nasir Little or, or filler, whatever, um, any of the bevy of second round picks that they have to try to find another, you know, player that they can plug into that roster spot. But, you know, how would, what, what do you, you guys view that, you know, that number three pick as, because I know a ton of people out here are like, Oh, number three itself should get an automatic all-star because, you know, Scoot or, or, or Miller are a number one pick in any other draft. So how do you guys view that out there? Yeah, I think there's a pretty drastic difference. I think between Scoot and Brandon Miller, um, given just their ceiling and also Brandon Miller has the off the court stuff and, based mm -hmm. off the comments of the Nets organization and kind of the drama they've went through the last couple of seasons with the superstars, they might look to avoid that. So if Scoot Henderson is there at number three, that is more intriguing to them. And I think that probably lessens the load and what the Blazers have to send. If it's Brandon Miller, I think it becomes a little bit less attractive to the team and now more sweeteners have to be included. Now, I think from the Nets perspective, yeah, number three, you know, gets them to pick up the phone. If it's number three in Nurkic, they're probably hanging up just because Nurkic is at this point in time, you know, a backup center on what I would call a negative contract. You know, somebody they don't feel really comfortable playing in the playoffs. And the thing with Anthony Simons is, you know, he's a good player, you know, maybe a great player, above average starter type. But is he really someone that you want in a rebuild? You know, is he someone that you feel truly feel like it can be a building block for your franchise? He probably makes more sense for another team rather than the net. So that's where I think it gets really interesting is like, Number three in Mikel, you know, we have a discussion. Now it's kind of like, what else can we work with? What are other avenues can we do to make this trade work? You know, like you said, you know, Sharp is somebody they probably don't want to include. And that's somebody the Nets probably want them to include. And if the Nets are trading Mikel Bridges, everyone on the roster is essentially available. You know, there's not necessarily a guy that they're, you know, we need to keep. So I think that's where it gets really intriguing because the Nets now could send you Mikel Bridges they could also send you a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Royce O'Neal or, you know, even a Spencer Dinwiddie if you were into having that type of guard and you were looking to move Anthony Simons in another deal, even Cam Johnson potentially in a sign-and-trade, you know, getting both pieces from that Kevin Durant trade. That's where I think it's trying to find that middle ground, you know, someone, something that works for both sides. And like you said, you know, they don't want to give up sharp, and that's going to be someone that the Nets really value and really could convince themselves, you know, hey, we land Brandon Miller and Sharp or we land Scoot and um, Sharp. You know, those are two building blocks for us to really jumpstart our rebuild because we don't have all of our own picks. You know, Houston has their pick next year. They still have some swaps. They have another Nets pick. They have an array of other first round picks, but not necessarily their own. So that's where I think it gets really complicated. And it's one of those situations where you look at the leverage. And I think 
it's probably in favor of the Nets just a little bit because they don't have to worry about, you know, appeasing a superstar. You know, Damian Lillard is the guy that the Blazers need to make happy. The Nets, they can keep Mikel Bridges ride with this team and see what happens or potentially trade him to another team because based off reporting last year, we knew numerous teams were willing to offer first four first round picks for him, not saying those are good picks or even more valuable than the number three pick, but just, you know, he has a lot of value around the league, especially with that contract. Does he have the the sway in the organization to, because given the relationship between him and Dame, where he could say, I want to be traded and I want to be traded there. And that uh, would kind of uh, uh, change that leverage that you talked about. I, I've based off of his character, I would say it's highly unlikely he would be a guy that would demand a trade. And I think to an extent he's enjoying being kind of the face of the franchise after being you know, that third or fourth wheel in Phoenix. He really got an opportunity to shine last year, you know, had multiple 40 point games, had the ball in his hands. The Nets have really kind of hyped him up. And he's not only a player that they want to like showcase for his basketball skills, but like I mentioned, he's off the court is probably one of the nicest guys in the league. And we say that about a lot of players, but Mikel truly feels like a good person and someone they, they kind of need a, uh, good PR after the last three years, after <laughs> everything that's happened with Kyrie Irving and James Harden and the Kevin Durant departure, you know, I think, in, and this has been brought up on Nets Twitter, you know, they're going to rebuild and jumpstart this to kind of cover their behind. They really need a great package, you know, a real selling point to the fans to say like, Hey, I know that we're going to rebuild and we were just contending for the last couple of seasons, but this is what's best for the franchise. And I think it's a little bit harder to convince with just one pick, but I think at the end of the day, there could be something done where it's just the number three pick as the main piece and maybe, you know, a future first round pick that's protected or something like that, or two first round picks, or maybe that Knicks first round pick. I think there's definitely a lot of avenues in which these teams could negotiate given how, if either team makes a move, you know, if Mikel goes to Portland or Dame goes to Brooklyn it's signaling a, a full rebuild. It's signaling, you know, a complete thing. So it's opening up a lot of pieces on the roster and assets to move. So that's where I just think it gets really interesting. Did you have any trades in mind that you were thinking other than Nurk number three for Mikel? Because I have a couple that I could throw out there. Go ahead, throw them out. Let's see. Because uh, it, because it, I, I found it funny that you had referenced Nets Twitter because uh, I over here I'm watching Blazers Twitter be drunk, in which they're saying you know the number three and anything else like I mean number three in a taco like oh that's an overpay for Bridges we want yeah. Bridges but that's an overpay and I'm like come on guys I mean you can't you, you can't fleece everybody like we sit back here on Blazers Twitter and we're like why is everyone trying to steal Dame. Well, at the same point in time, we're trying to steal everybody else's stuff too. It's just social media and sports fandom is fantastic. Yeah, that's just how it works. Yeah, I put out a trade today. I got a lot of hate, a lot of love. You know, it goes it goes both ways. This is one that I was working with. Um, you comments on this. And the Nets would receive Nurkage, Sharp, the 2023 first round pick from the Blazers, obviously number three in the draft. The Blazers would get Mikel Bridges and the Phoenix first round pick, which is number 22 in this draft. And you know, based off a little bit more research, it seems less likely Sharp would be included. Maybe the Nets would have to sweeten this, add Dorian Finney-Smith, or maybe one of their more attractive first-round picks to make this happen. Or do you think there's just no deal in which Sharp is leaving Portland? The only change that I would make to that deal in which Sharp would leave Portland would be including Claxton. And I think that's... And, 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 and sorry, not including Claxton. That would be subbing Claxton out for that Phoenix first. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely something that could be considered. I think the issue, it's kind of a similar thing to why the Blazers wouldn't want to let go of Sharp is Clax is kind of like that one piece that they've developed and actually has potential and could be part of a contending team or part of a rebuilding mm -hmm. team, given he's only 23 years old. And last year was really his first year, you know, touching the surface of what he can do and actually being on the court for a full season and being conditioned for an NBA game because... He's a guy that's had some bad luck in the NBA, you know, shoulder injury, uh, knee tendonitis, ended up having mono, you know, which really derailed him last season, took a while to kind of get back in shape. I believe he also had COVID the season before. So last year was really his first true NBA season. But I think uh, I've heard that brought up that they would kind of want, you know, Claxton and Mikel. And I think that that gets tough for the Nets because I think there's a world in which they trade off Mikel. They try to flip Claxton to Houston who looks like they're going to sign James Harden, who has a really great relationship with Nick Claxton and would be a perfect piece for them to kind of improve their team to contending. So I think the Nets, just in terms of basketball business, probably wouldn't want to include both of their top trade assets in one deal. So that's where I think it gets a little tricky. And the Blazers probably would say the same thing. We don't want to include number three and we don't want to include Sharp because in our minds, maybe we could move number three in another pick from Mikel and then use you know, sharp and another pick and contracts to add potentially another star down the line. Because as I mentioned, that's the luxury of Mikel Bridges contract is that your cap isn't cooked. Yeah. And, and you kind of touch on that a little bit too, like in the one deal um, with all these changes to the CBA and a lot of teams that, you know, for one have tons of questions floating around them. I mean, hell half the league has, is in a coaching carousel right now. Yeah. But besides that, you know, now, now the changing rules in, in the CBA, I don't envision this come upcoming off season being a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one deals. Yeah. There, there is going to be a ton of, you know, three to 14 kind of stuff going around because people are trying to make numbers work, trying to make caps work, you know, these picks. So, you know, you, you may be looking at something where like, yeah, sure. The number three ant and Nurk and even Nasir are all included in one trade, but that's going out to three different teams and split up like five different ways. Yeah. I agree. I think uh, you're going to see a lot of creativity from GMs because they're looking to open up cap. And like I said, I don't think there's, there's still a world where the Nets could make a trade with the Blazers straight up, you know, Nurkage number three, and maybe some other future picks for Mikel Bridges. I think that's something that could potentially be on the table or um, Ant potentially going to another team and that being worth some picks and those picks being redirected to the Nets. And now they're getting number three, the Blazers get Mikel Bridges, get off of that contract. And now they add a really nice contract and still have other avenues to improve that team. So it's very likely that these teams are going to talk and they're going to be in major discussion. I think what happens at number two with Charlotte will have a drastic impact because I, like I said, I think if Scoot Henderson is there at number three, that's just going to drastically change what mm -hmm. the Nets are thinking in terms of like, he could truly be a superstar for our team and could be a guy that really we build around as like that key piece in Brooklyn where Brandon Miller, I think there's more questions about him being one off the court stuff and two, just how high is his ceiling compared to the other two guys? Yeah. And that, and that is definitely one of the things that, you know, at least sitting from a blazer standpoint is slightly frustrating uh, is, is that knowing that the value of this number three pick is directly impacted by whatever either smart or extremely stupid move that Charlotte makes ahead of them, you know, it, and the, the irony is not lost on me of that. The Blazers sitting there said, no, 
we don't need Michael Jordan. We already have this Clyde Drexler fellow over here. So we'll just yep. go ahead and take Sam Bowie. Yep. And that's the exact kind of situation that Charlotte's sitting there staring down the barrel of. Yeah. And it's been kind of all over the place. You know, you hear one rumor, oh, they're 100% going for Brandon Miller. One rumor, they're 100% going for Scoot Anderson. We heard Mitch Kupchak is a guy that really likes to, you know, work these players out. So I think there'll be rumblings up until that point. You know, maybe they'll lean one way or another. Personally, uh, if I was Charlotte, I would take Scoot Henderson and just try to make it work. And you can, you know, make talent work. And he's also talked about how he's pretty good off ball and being underrated in that aspect. So, be one hell of an offensive show to freaking watch. Yeah, at least you sell your fans on fun. Exactly. There'd be some energy, some positivity around that team. And after last season, they desperately needed, (laughs) given how bad they were on the court and all the stuff with Miles Bridges off the court, but. Any other thoughts in terms of Mikel going to Portland before we switch to the other side? No, no. I think we covered a, a pretty much everything that uh, that I had on my brain. Yeah, I think like, uh, you know, it's been talked about on Twitter. There's going to be different things. You know, maybe the Nets could find a, a sweet spot and try to do it without Nick Claxton and just Mikel Bridges. And they're including a lot of depth and maybe even sending out some picks because they're looking to get, you know, the really quality picks and players that the Blazers already have in terms of sharp and that potential number three pick whoever's there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Now, moving to what a lot of Blazers fans probably don't want to hear about and what a lot of Nets fans would love to hear about is, do you think there is any potential about Damian Lillard going to Brooklyn this offseason, given his relationship with Mikel Bridges and the urge to be in a winning situation? I think the best chance that the Nets ever had of landing Damian Lillard on their team was if they would not have traded us for Gerald Wallace. 
Yeah, and you that had to pick, bring that up. <laughs> I just, you know, if you're going to bring up prying him away, I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> Good old um, Billy King. The uh, the only way that Dame, you know, for as much as everybody wants to, you know, it's it's funny, especially you know, following along on Blazers social media, I can definitely see a generational divide in in fandom on those that have only known that are young enough to have only known seeing OKC acquire every first round pick ever made. <laughs> and how their team is turning out and they think it is just that easy uh versus those of us who are a, a little older have hung around the nba a little longer and know that hey like when you have a a player of dame's caliber and stature and personality that is that loyal to the community and that fan base that you know there is a bit of you need to pay that loyalty back and be loyal to him and do what you can to do right by him like um it for me personally it's that man needs to retire a trailblazer and the only way that he is going to depart from this organization is if he asks to depart and while i can see the prudence in trading him now while he's just coming off you know even though it was punctuated due to injury slash tanking you know the best season of his career uh, capitalizing on that, getting a bevy of picks, getting a haul. It's kind of hard for me to find a franchise in which that would fulfill his, his want or desire to, or alleged want or desire to move to somebody else that was an immediate contender, but finding what they could give up and what kind of blue chip player would come back that wouldn't then remove that team from being a contender. So if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it's, you know, kind of the situation the Nets were in last year with Kevin Durant, you know, trying to find a trade that got them back a good piece while not making that team out of contender and Kevin Durant wouldn't want to go there. You know, Phoenix ended up working out. They obviously didn't contend this year. They lost in the second round. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Uh, some of that's, you know, on them and some guys, you know, Chris Paul being hurt once again, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, I think, and like you mentioned, you know, the Damian Lillard, and there's obviously the concern about the contract and him, you know, turning 34, getting 63 million in 26, 27, you know, do you try to get off of that deal before, you know, it happens? But like you mentioned, there's a lot of non-basketball reasons why Portland would want to keep him around and his meaning to the franchise and the community and all those things. And in my eyes, and I've always, I've thought this kind of since the rumors have started, the really only way and the best way that he would end up in Brooklyn is if he requested a trade to Brooklyn. And that was one of his, you know, main, main teams he's asking to go to, or potentially the only team given his relationship with McKell and the opportunity to do that. And, but like you said, it gets a little complicated in terms of what the return is, you know, is it just essentially draft pick oriented do the Nets, you know, put in a Nicholas Clax in that deal and feel that maybe they can replace him, you know, down the line? And then Clax would be, you know, part of the Blazers rebuild. You know, it could be paired with potentially Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, with Sharp. And now all of a sudden you have three really good young pieces. You know, Clax is a guy that was up for defensive player of the year, top five and most improved, and only 23 years old. And then it's just a matter of, you know, how many picks are included because the Nets actually have an array of expiring contracts in which they could use in any deal. And some of those guys even could potentially have value to a third or fourth team getting the Blazers another first round pick, you know, a Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, 
uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Joe Harris, Patty Mills don't really have much value, but they could be salary filler in that deal. And yeah, somebody bring that, Patty back home. I need, yeah. I need, I need the old school Patty cakes. God, that was a great cheering section before he ever, he ever got his true chance in the league. More, uh, more than happy to send them back. Uh, you know, <laughs> no longer I, uh, an NBA player in my eyes, but a great locker room guy and someone to have, you know, around young players that can be a leader in that aspect. So I think it is definitely complicated in your eyes. What would, how many picks would you be looking for the Nets to send if, you know, Damian Lillard was on his way to Brooklyn? For any sort of Dame package, I mean, I think whether it's realistic or not, Rudy Gobert kind of set the market. It's yeah. kind of like quarterbacks in the NFL. Like the, the next one that happens will always, the next deal that happens will always be bigger than the last. And so, you know, if Rudy Gobert got, got the haul that he did, I think Damian Lillard and in, in what he's shown and, and quick fact check on your age thing, he's only turning 33 in July oh, 33. this year. So yes, he is currently 32 years old. He is not old as dirt yet. <laughs> just a couple of years but, away. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, yeah, and just, he's aging well. You know, I want not to say that he'll be a terrible player. And we've seen a lot of superstars age pretty well. Obviously, always a little bit more concerned with smaller guards when they get to that mid 30 range. Well, I, I think players and nowadays, nowadays, I mean, they've they've come up in like that LeBron method where, you know, when you become a superstar and you get that big max contract, you immediately turn around and invest in your body. I mean, there's the stories out there about Victor Wimbignana, like since he was 14, when his family realized that like he could be what he's now going to be in the NBA, like they've, they've done all this work in keeping his body maintained well. So I think the, the age thing in the NBA, I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll play out over the next, you know, five to six years with with a lot of these superstars that are coming up on that mid 30s range but uh but no I, again the the gold bear trade kind of set the gold standard so i mean i i think it'd have to be a little bit above that so like i mean for me it's you know you're looking at least the next you know i i'm not off the top of my head i i can't speak to what the nets have immediately available as far as picks but i mean you're looking for something where it's like you know at least four first rounders and just as many freaking pick swaps for, yeah. you know, so you're looking at almost a decade worth of draft capital that, you know, your minimum and then, you know, a player of consequence. Yeah. So, I think my rebuttal would be that Kevin Durant did not go for it, you know, went for around the same amount of picks as Rudy Gobert. So that kind of reset the market, I think a little bit, because if it was the case, you know, KD probably goes for five or six picks and swaps. Obviously, mm -hmm. they did get Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. I think four picks would be doable for the Nets. I think it also comes down to a matter of the quality of the picks. As I mentioned, they do not have a ton of their own picks, but they do have a ton of Phoenix's picks. They have an extra Dallas pick. They have an extra Philly pick later. You know, 2027 for Philly, uh, 2027 for Phoenix, 2025 for Phoenix, and 2023 this year for Phoenix, and also uh, 2029 for Phoenix and a swap for them in 28 and a 2029 Dallas pick. So I think it'd be very interesting if they got down to the negotiations, which picks they're looking at. I think Ideally, the most valuable picks would be that Phoenix 2029 or potentially even Dallas 2029, because who really knows what's going to go on with those franchises? You know, Kevin Durant will be gone by 2029. Luca mm -hmm. could be out of Dallas. So and those would be picks that the next Nets are really trying to hold on to. So I think there would definitely be a lot of negotiation and trying to work out what really could work. And, you know, I think in terms of young talent, which the Nets have, it would really be Nick Claxton, Cam Thomas, who 
did have a, a stretch of three straight 40 point games right before the all-star break. Also Daron Sharp, who probably projects more so as a backup center. And as I mentioned, other guys that could potentially be moved, you know, maybe if the nets are including three or four picks, they could still trade off, you know, a Spencer Dinwiddie for another first or, or Dorian Finney Smith for another first or a Royce O'Neal for another first first. And now you're getting closer to five or six. And now, now you feel really good about jumpstarting your rebuild because you have a million picks to do whatever you really need to do. So I think that's where it's at for the Nets. If they were to make a trade for Dame, it would be more so pick heavy rather than maybe some other teams being more so player heavy. One of the other things too, is that as far as trading Dame goes, uh, yeah, there's, there's a factor in which you have to take the current, you know, quote unquote ownership of the Blazers yep. in, into account because, you know, Dame top 75 player in the league has his reputation his name alone tied to this franchise adds an inherent value yep. and you know it's it's long been said that you know the blazers are going to sell but a lot of people think of that you know is jody allen you know the late paul allen's sister um is she going to sell the team well it's not up to her she is contractually obligated as an executor of the estate to sell the team one other thing too, you know, and it's also come up while well, this NBA coaching carousel is going on, because there's not a lot of people that are necessarily happy with Chauncey Billups. And they wonder why, you know, with all these great coaches that are out there, why he's not getting let go. Well, Jody has to operate this team as an executor of an estate. And so she ends up having a fiduciary responsibility to the estate. She has to justify every expense, every decision, all that kind of stuff. So like, even, even in terms of like, is Damian Lillard tradable? what is the what is the value impact on the overall price of the franchise if yep. you lose a player like Damian Lillard? And those are the things that she is held legally uh, uh, responsible for, you know, in being the executor of the estate. So it's it's not an aspect that even a lot of people here in Portland fully understand, but you know, they've made uh, she's made a lot of investments in the arena in in the physical structure of the team but as far as you know unnecessary expenses or unnecessary losses as far as team personnel management all that kind of stuff you know it's very it's a very tight rope that she has to walk up until this team is sold and for anybody that's curious about like well why doesn't she just sell it um one other little caveat of her executor contract is that she does get a cut of any new money that is brought in. So when you're talking about if the league expands or the new TV deal, yep. she, uh, I believe it, she gets a 15% cut of any revenue directly to her for brokering that in. So that's kind of a reason why she holds onto the team, but while she's holding onto it, those are kind of like the little background things that you have to take into account of how will that impact that, that value of that franchise, or in this case, that trust. Yeah, I think it's obviously way more attractive to buy the Blazers if Damian Lillard is there. You know, it's less attractive to buy a team that's in a rebuild. So for yeah. her, you know, if she's looking to sell the team or maybe she's looking to hold on longer, it's definitely a decision that kind of plays into that. I guess just one final point on the Damian Lillard to Brooklyn thing. Do you think the Blazers would, you know, have much value in them getting off Nurkic too if they do send Dame to Brooklyn where it's kind of like, all right, we're going to clear our cap because now – we got all these expiring deals. We have all these picks. We could potentially take on more bad contracts in the future for more first round picks to continue our rebuild. If we open more space by letting Nurkic go, do you think that'd be something that would be a sweetener to make a Dame deal to Brooklyn more likely? 
I think if Dame was traded, Nurk would hide himself in one of Dame's suitcases to make <laughs> his way to whatever team that he was on. And the yeah. team would, at that point in time, happily oblige. Uh, in all honesty, I mean, I love... I love Nurk. He's he's a great character guy, but I mean, you can see it in his attitude on the court and he just kind of doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. And so it's 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 kind of time to move on. I, a lot of people here think that his contract is, you know, bloated. Um, I say look around salaries in the NBA and where the, where the cap is going. And, you know, $17 million contract nowadays is kind of like what 10 million was, you know, three years ago. So but yeah, it's it's kind of what Nurk will be out the door the second that Dame opens it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it makes the most sense to kind of get rid of him. You're, it's kind of a way to get the contract off if you're getting rid of Dame. You know, it's a lot of money, you know, especially by the time, you know, it's 25, 26, he's making almost 20 million. And yeah. at that point, he'll maybe not even be a playable center. I think right now he's more of a backup guy and a guy you kind of play in the right role, can fill regular season minutes. But someone who might get cooked in a playoff matchup given some of his limitations because of that serious ankle injury he had a couple years ago, actually against the Nets. Yep. So we'll see what happens on that front. I guess before we get out of here, is there any, what's your favorite Mikel Bridges to Portland trade? And what's your favorite Damian Lillard to Brooklyn trade? If there is one. Well, my favorite Damian Lillard to Brooklyn trade is the one that doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my favorite Mikhail Bridges is, I mean, in all honesty, I'm, I'm greedy with it. I mean, if they want to throw the ultimate thing and go number three and, and, or Nurk and Nas to try to get, uh, a Mikhail and Claxton, you know, it's, that's, I'll just go straight up dream scenario there. If you're going to ask me that I'm going to go pie in the sky. (laughs) Uh, other than that, you know, it, it'd be a straight up number three for Mikhail. And then somehow they're able to package Ant and Nurk to Phoenix for Aiton. So yeah, those are my top two. And what in your eyes, I guess, and you mentioned, you know, four to five picks going to Portland. Um, let's not worry about salary because like I mentioned, that's had plenty of expirings. They could make work or send to another team for to kind of allocate some of those extra first in that deal. Would Claxton and Cam Thomas do enough for you in one of those trades? If this is a scenario in which Dame Willard is requesting to come to Brooklyn. You're talking four or five picks and then Thomas and Claxton. Yep. Yeah, sure. If if Dame if if that's a hey Dame says I want to go there or I want out that that that's a that's a great starting package. Yeah, I think uh, the picks obviously, like I said, it would really be dictated by, you know, the quality of the picks potentially, and that could be where they really bargain down to the line. And I think uh, both of us would agree that we'll have a better idea of what's going to happen after the NBA draft, probably after that number three pick is selected. Yep. But uh, Ryan, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can go ahead and find me at the witty Ryan on Twitter. And then uh, every now and then I ramble on a podcast called uh, we like the blazers. And you can find that wherever you get your, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Ryan, appreciate you hopping on, giving us that blazers perspective. As always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Big thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.